All right, hello, Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast, the vodcast version, the bonus with my uh, friend Barrett Anzar Goodwin. Hello, Barrett. Hey, how are you? Merry Christmas to you. We are recording on Christmas. Indeed we are. Merry Christmas to you too, sir. Thank you. Uh, Anyone tuning in for the first time, Barrett Antar Goodwin is a musician in Philadelphia. I am Nathan Timmel, a comedian in Iowa. We've known each other forever, and we talk to one another. And uh, we're just going to jump right off. How about that? Yes, indeed. So I uh, last week, on the last episode, if anybody didn't listen to it, we had uh, what the kids call a Christian on, a friend of mine who is uh, a follower of Jesus, follower of Christ, that was fascinating. I really loved listening to him. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to interrupt him at one point. I know I interrupted him several times, but uh, at the end, when it, I don't want to say I was getting too long, not like he was getting too long, just the whole thing is like, I don't want to go down another path and another. Plus, I think it would have detra- distracted from his story. And uh, mm-hmm. but he, sa- he said something toward the end, if you remember. He said he was taking a shower, and he, he said uh, he has suffered from clinical depression his whole life. And he was taking a shower and a voice spoke to him. He felt a power that said, today, you will be the best thing to happen to someone. And he said that changed him very profoundly. Like he felt, well, I don't want to put words in his mouth. He just said a voice spoke to him and he said it changed him. And that's where I wanted to interrupt him. I wanted to, but let me, let me ask you, Barrett, has, has anything ever like that happened to you? Has that ever happened to you? Anything even close to that? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose there are definitely moments in my life. I guess if, if well, it depends on what you mean by that. Meaning, like, am I standing in the shower and I hear a voice? Normally, I'm when I'm in the shower, I talk to myself, so I already right. hear the voice, right? But like, but if you mean like, have I had somebody or someone say something to me that hit me and had a profound impact? in that exact moment in a way that changed my life. Yes. I've absolutely had that happen. Not so much someone, but the way he described it made me think of the hand of God, like not okay. someone saying sure. something, giving, but uh, something you can't explain, like you're alone, but sure. something happens. Okay. Yes. I've had that happen. It generally just sounds like the voice of me or my parents. Um, and it's generally something that it to me it's it's like when I'm just doing nothing or I'm in the shower or driving or whatever it's just something that you've done a thousand times you know there's moments where I will have a profound realization that has nothing to do with what I'm doing at the moment so it just seemingly comes out of nowhere you know what I mean and and I would have a profound a realization that not even a realization a realization in the form of a choice like this would be a good idea for you to do and then from that moment on it's up to you to do something about it you know what I mean and if you and the times when I've said yes to that thing and followed it it's always worked out well and the times that I've been like yeah what do you know you're just me whatever and maybe that's it. I, I, I disregard the voice of God and assume it's just my latent subconscious. And then I don't listen. I generally find myself, well, however long later, wishing I did listen. That's that makes sense. interesting. You know? that, that's fascinating because I, I think I've only had it happen once. And it was mm-hmm. almost exactly like Michael's. I was in the shower. And I was depressed and um, not to go into too much details, you might, we probably talked about this, but um, my first real relationship was, was with, I'm just going to call her Judy because I'm not going to throw her real name out there, but mm-hmm. uh, it was tumultuous. You know the story with anybody listening. A quick summation is she was with a guy that abused her. I wanted to save her and uh, then she cheated on him with me. He found out, dumped her, and I was like, yay, she's with me now. And then she cheated on me and left me. And I, we, we were right before she, she ultimately stopped talking to me and cut me off, 
we were in a gray area that a lot of relationships do where you sort of break up, but you're still together and fooling around like, well, I haven't found anybody new. You haven't found anybody new. So, and I'm in my mind, I'm like, okay, we're going to go back to, you know, we're still fooling around, which means we'll end up together again. I didn't know she was already seeing the other guy. Um, so I'm in the shower and I'm confused and depressed and like, how do I, you know, get her back? And I had that moment, like my, like, I remember electricity running through me. I remember the, the call her now and tell her everything. The voice, I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was like, get out of the shower and call her and talk to her tonight. Spill your guts. Have your Jerry Maguire moment. You complete me. And so, I mean, I got out of the shower naked, didn't even grab a towel, went to the phone, called her, said, I got to talk to you tonight. And I, I, I felt like I could have lifted a car. The, the feeling was so powerful. I, it was not me. I was outside of myself. My body was moving without me thinking to move my limbs. I, I was under the control of some other force or power. And so then I did call her and, and, and vomited up uh, all my emotions. And she sort of sighed and said, okay, pick me up after work. We have to talk. And that was when I found out she had, you know, been hooking up with the guy from it doesn't matter and that it was actually over and that was it and it really fucked me up because for the longest time i felt like i had been lied to by god because the the experience was so powerful and i couldn't explain it because it wasn't me just in the shower going you're like huh, i should give her a call and tell her like i mean it, it 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 came into me and exploded through my pores and it took a long time to come to the realization of what you just said. The, if I, if I hadn't listened to that voice, I would be depressed because in a way it's sort of like an old onion article. Um, the one where paralyzed boy finally gets answered from God. No, says God. <laughs> it always made me laugh because, um, it, what I finally realized is that I had to get that out of my system because looking back, I have no regrets. And I remember you and I talking years ago when, when social media was coming into play about people that were looking up their old high school boyfriends and girlfriends or old college and trying to hook up with them and getting divorces and then realizing they weren't the same people. And like, I had none of that. I, I had purged my system. I had nothing in me going, what if I had jest? Or if only I had done this, what if I had tried that? And so it's funny because, as I said, for years, I felt like I had been lied to by God, like the hand of God had touched me and said, do this now. And I did it under the assumption that everything would work the way I wanted it to at the moment. And then mm -hmm. ultimately what happened is it worked out the way it was supposed to, where I ended up with another woman and she taught me more about love and relationships and give and take as opposed to give and then the other one taking, 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 and then another relationship until I finally met my wife and, you know, oh, now I get why I had to get that out of my system. And that's what I thought when he said that, because it was so, I thought personal to me. And then I realized everybody has these moments or hopefully everybody does. And it's just a matter of whether or not you pay attention to them and listen to them. And again, this is just my personal experience, so feel free to say whatever you want. Well, no, I mean, it's interesting. I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm taking my, this is, in case you didn't know, this right here, hmm, this is my thinking posture. I was thinking uh, <laughs> for a second, you smiled, and I'm like, okay, here it comes, now he's going to shit all over, and that's fine, you can, because I realize it's a silly story, but no, you know, it meant something to not. me. It's, it's an interesting query because I wonder all right there's a guy named Brian Dispenza right he's I think he's a doctor of some sort whatever but he does he he does a lot of like psychology biology intermingling stuff and one of the things he says is that your body is your subconscious mind, right? Like the way that we are raised and trained in this country, how we 
feel on the inside generally manifests through some kind of physical thing, right? Like they're just the way our subconscious is literally intertwined with our physical body, right? So. I was going to say, I believe all of that because I believe we store memories in our cellular, at cellular levels. Absolutely. You and Absolutely. I have had a conversation and we could get into this later, but I have started doing yoga again lately. And the reason that is a big deal is I remember telling you years ago, I couldn't do yoga because it's supposed to be very relaxing. And I would start stretching and get, and, and I would get angrier and angrier. And I finally realized I was releasing all this, the, the angry anger I had inside me, like the more I would stretch yes. and I'd been storing it up. And so now I'm doing yoga again and I don't get angry. I'm like, wow, that's, neat <laughs> right. I'm not releasing all my anger through yoga right. I'm so right. angry I'm like I can't do oh. that anyway like so I do say. believe in cellular memory I oh. do believe we store memories inside us continue well we do that and then so my my question is this I wonder what the message is right because the message is probably an intense feeling of some sort. Like you said, you felt electrified, you felt strong, you felt like you could lift a car, all this stuff, right? So I wonder if the message, when it comes, it comes through in that sense and we interpret it. And however we interpret it is what our actions dictate, right? Or does it come through and is it like a, is the message actually really clear? Go call her right now and do this. Or is the message a feeling of something and then we interpret the message to be go call her right now? Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. I, I'm not sure that I'm asking the question properly, but I wonder. Maybe I, maybe I didn't know? explain it properly, but like Michael, I heard a voice. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, okay, like so you said, it, was, it was me talking to right. myself, but I'm showering and all of a sudden it's like, call her now, do it. And, you know, like suddenly I'm the Hulk, like I'm growing and like right. marching out of the shower and picking up the phone and like, if you want me to work this out, no, no, you know, like I think I'm being, <laughs> I think I'm being Shakespearean and elegant, and in, and I'm just vomiting up bullshit, probably, you know, like it. That's what it sounded like to her. In my mind, I was probably, uh, I thought I was doing prose, and and what she was hearing was what I just did right there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I mean, I wonder. Every time you say that, I think of the song Runaway. I want to <laughs> Well, it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm really trying to think if there have ever been moments when I've gotten a voice that was really clear and actually listened. I think I get them and I don't listen a lot. I do listen, but I don't. That's, and so I guess that's my question to you. When you felt like you trusted the voice and it betrayed you, what did that do for your future? Like, did you stop? Like, did you continue to trust your instincts and continue to trust? Or did, like, did you take any of that on yourself? Does that make sense? It does. And I don't know. This was so long ago. What I remember is... After that, I, I went into therapy for two years. Um, my right. friend who had gone through a divorce recommended a therapist, and I talked to her, and I learned about my life, and I learned about why I uh, had put so much stock into Judy and why I allowed myself to be you know, secondhand to her and why I wanted to save her. And, you know, I learned so much that she was just a catalyst. I mean, I, I don't want to belittle and say I didn't love her, but obviously she wasn't the end all be all in my life. There are people that get wrapped up in 20 years later saying, Oh my height, there's, they're still pining. Um, so it was somewhere in that process that I figured out what the message was, as I said, which was get it out of your system. Never have regrets or don't ever, you won't ever mm -hmm. feel the need to look back on this and say, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And so mm -hmm. it's not that the message changed. It was that my interpretation of the message changed. And I just had a thought, and I don't know if I've ever 
talked to you about this before. I know I, I'm trying to remember how to verbalize it. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, a female, and she had a woman and she was talking about the end of relationships and closure. I think she was going through a divorce and she didn't know why. And the, the point is at one point she said to me, the difference between men and women, me, because what I was, the advice I was giving her or talking to her about her, the situation she was in is she said, the difference between men and women is that women need closure and men don't. And I said, well, I don't want to break it down like that, but I will say the difference between me and what you are looking for is I think men need closure, but with me, closure is acceptance. It's not why did this happen, it's it happened. I may never understand why she cheated on me, but it happened and I accept that. I don't know why we broke up, but it happened and I accept that. I don't need the whys. Um, I did something she didn't like, therefore she did this. The butterflies went away in the relationship, so found someone new to, to replace the butterflies that feel, you know. And I don't know where I was going with this, but that's the idea of the, the interpretation is, is closure means something different to everyone. And there was something in there that made me think of that story, and I'm not sure what it was, but maybe it was when you asked if I still listen to my intuition. Oh, that's where this started with the therapy. And hmm. I don't, I think I do. I mean, I don't know that I'd be married with kids if I didn't, because you know me, I was very anti-kid my whole life, but I knew I wanted to hang on to the woman who's now my wife and I trusted her. And she said, we're going to have kids. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm in, Let, let's do this. And best decision I ever made, you know, I, I'm absolutely happier than I've ever been. And I'm doing yoga again. So it's proof I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> or I'm deluding myself I don't know <laughs> just, God damn it I wish this was like the early 90s and we could just still say rude shit to each other without getting cancelled <laughs> oh, I can say rude shit to each other all day we'll still love each we other who gives a fuck with the not 10 on, people not on air. <laughs> anyway well, I, here's what I think. I think that you are, I think you're very correct in a lot of the stuff. I, I don't know men, women, right? Like, I think that when you say, when she said men don't need closure, I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, I know dudes who are still pining over their girlfriends from high school that they haven't seen in literally, it's somewhere between anywhere because there's several of them between 15 and 40 years you know what i mean yeah. so clearly dudes need closure but i i think that you may be right in the sense that closure means acceptance i think that's what it means for everyone i guess we we may just all get it in different ways or maybe not like maybe it's not a male female thing it's just a personal thing right some some yeah. people need to say it I and mean, you just needed to get it out of your system to release it into the air somehow. Some people need to write it in a letter form and light it on fire and watch it float away. And other people need to say it to the person's face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And see the person not give a shit, right? <laughs> see the person go, sorry, but I'm going off with so-and-so. You know what I mean? <laughs> like whatever it is, like, but that moment for some people breaks them, right? But then for other people, it makes them. It's that, that's the moment, right? Like I could think of one of key moments where like I was at a jam session and just fucking at a jazz jam session, just humiliated by the band, the band leader just said some, oh, I sucked at the time. I had no business being up there, but I was a kid. And that doesn't mean I deserve special treatment, but it was clear that I was in way over my head. I didn't want to get on stage. And then he kind of humiliated me in front of people. And that, and I went home and that made me double down on practicing. I was like, fuck that motherfucker. Like it, 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 it didn't break me. Do you know what I mean? It, it shaped something in me. It gave me a sense of resilience. Do you know what I mean? And well, so maybe I needed, not that I needed that, but I needed something to, to do something. And but everybody has a different reaction to those moments. That's and what everybody I was going to say. So what, 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 one person, 
What will break right. one person will motivate another, and that just motivated you. Right, and you know what it is. I mean, there is a, there is a, there's, there's just times in my life where I can look back at it now, and I can see the moment that broke me, and it was just something somebody said, and it wasn't even always meant to be mean. Sometimes it was like some kind of backhanded bullshit, you know what I mean? Some kind of passive aggressive shit. But sometimes somebody just said something that was true. And I didn't want to accept that it was true. And the acceptance of that truth, like the denial of that truth kind of was a breaking point to a degree versus the acceptance of that truth. And, and then the ability to move forward, right? Like one of my friends, when I first started learning how to play slide guitar, he was like, you don't have the discipline to do that. And I was like, Oh, that's what you think of me? I was thinking, I wonder if that's the example I've been setting out to the world that I'm undisciplined. I said, oh, I can't, no, fuck that. No, there's not even sent out to the world. I'm like, I, it made me think, oh, am I actually really undisciplined? Like in a way that is clearly obvious. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh, he's right. I clearly am undisciplined in all of these areas of my life that are really problematic. And that was what got me kind of committing to practicing and getting better at something that is really challenging to me because I realized in that moment that one, he was projecting because he's an undisciplined fuck, right? So really what he's doing is projecting. But the largely the reason we were friends is because we could both be undisciplined fucks together and act like it was somebody else's fault. Do you know what I mean? And when he said that, it was kind of like when you quit smoking, your friends go, oh, oh, well, nobody likes a quitter. Oh, what are you going to quit smoking? Because they're like, they know that they don't necessarily have the discipline to do it at that moment. Do you know what I mean? So they shit on you, right? Anyway, looks like you're about to say something. Well, you made me think of two things. Um, one is you and I have had this discussion a million times that it's very rare that someone can say something to us that is more damaging than we've said to ourselves in our head. Yeah. And usually Absolutely. what happens is they, what it sounds like what you were saying is they confirm it. Like you've been thinking these thoughts and when you hear it from someone else, you're like, fuck, they confirmed what I feel about myself. It must be true. And that's yes. especially true when it's negative because it's easier to, to criticize than it is to compliment. And people rarely walk around complimenting themselves. Look at me, I have a good smile. I'm a happy person. Everyone likes, you know. And so, yeah, that usually when we get devastated yeah. is because our, our own worst fears are being proven true, air quotes. Yeah, I, I think that most of, most of what, I would success, what I would say success in life comes from from what little I've seen, you know, <laughs> this is my insight from my peek in like the door <laughs> in the dark. When you say success, <laughs> you mean when you've seen in other people because you and I are right, both exactly, friends. exactly. <laughs> what I, what I, what I think is that life takes. Let me. I, I'm gonna put this into it. It's, it's fucked up. Like I have like multiple thoughts going on in my head, and they're all competing for stage time. You know. <laughs> like, Sometimes I when we talk, I want to take down notes so that I can like right. not interrupt right. and then bullet point backward. Right. Because because I want to address something that you said too, and the, the things are all coming conflated. Um. I'm gonna go backwards to go forwards. I think that when it comes to the idea of relationships, right? You talk about how after Judy, there was another one, and then there was another one, and then there was, you know, there's things, but each one of them was a learning experience that all prepared you for this thing that you have now, not thing, because you know what I mean, but like for the situation that you have now, but essentially you had to grow into that situation. The kind of situation with, a happy marriage and health, happy, healthy children and all that stuff. That's a, that's a thing that people have to grow into. It's not something that happens, right? Because if, let's say that you and this other woman, let's say you'd even stayed together for years and years and had children. 
I guarantee you it wouldn't be happy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah, like I mean, you could you could have the You knew her, you could, so you know. <laughs> right. Right. But like you could you could be in the same house in the same town in the same situation as much as possible like from a physical standpoint except your personality be what it was and her personality be what it was and you guys grew it from there and you would be awful you know what i mean like it would be terrible right because there is a point about like it's the steve martin thing yes and you and i that's what i think the friends you mentioned and many people i think that's when when they still pine for that old lover um yes that they don't realize how much people change over the course of 20 years 10 years even five years or one year and so what they are pining for is either a false nostalgia or an invented present where they they think everything would be different or, or would be good and i don't think they understand how I'm going to use the word delusional. That is because because they've invented a personality on their old lover and put it into the present, or thought yes. it would work, and that's why pining and nostalgia is never a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I I I had that realization, and I think that's one of the things that happens, right? Like when I was in high school, I had a girlfriend, and I we were like I loved her, and then we broke up in ways that were like because her parents weren't into it and it like it wasn't us one i knew of the one that really when we yeah met, it was yeah. okay yeah yeah and it, it kind of fucked me up because like and then some like fucked up things that happened that were just kind of all misunderstanding it was like a comedy of errors except it just wasn't funny like yeah. all these miss like like it was Mary, Shakespearean. that's not her name yeah they she's a name mary, mary. Mary, you know, but it was like very Shakespearean, right? Like this person has a message to tell to this person and this person and just all the, it, it just fell apart and it was a disaster. And I held on to that relationship for a long time. And then when my mother died, I, it was the beginning of, of seeing that for what it was, but it took a while for it to dissolve. But I, but, but I went home and I had to borrow her car because she lived by the, she was by the train station. So I took the train in and then I borrowed her car to drive to my house and then came back and dropped it off with her afterwards. And she was a very different person than I had remembered, you know? And then I saw her again, like, three or four years later and she was so different than the person I remembered that it was much easier for me between those two experiences one when I was kind of still in the thick of it and going through stuff and then one a few years later those two things kind of gave me an insight into like being able to let it go or at least like start to just loosen my grasp of it and then find a place for it in my heart where it can live and be like a really pleasant memory when I am like, oh yeah, we really had some good times, but not be something that I grasped after. Do you know what I mean? Right. But I think that had had I not been able to come to some kind of, let's say again, that's the closure thing, right? Had I not been able to come, had I not seen her, I might not have been able to do that because there was because it's true. Like in that interim period when I would be dating someone, she was always in the back of my mind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wasn't cheating on them physically, but I was cheating on them mentally. Like in the back of my mind, if she came back, I would have left them. Do you know what I mean? And I knew that. Even though I knew she wasn't coming back, right? <laughs> like there's like, but it's like that like kind of that neurosis, right? of just like wanting something, especially something from at such a young age. Like it made me feel so not like my normal high school self, right? Like my normal high school self was pretty, well, pretty shitty. You know what I mean, right? And so like when I met someone who made me feel not like that, like it was so powerful. Like I felt not like that. 
you know, <laughs> I felt great. I felt good about myself. I felt like, I don't know. And I don't know that it was her, but it was something the the way we interacted somehow to me brought out the best in me. And I think what I really wanted was for her was to be able to feel like that. And I attributed that feeling to her. And then I found out you can get it from all over the place. <laughs> well, let me, I'm, um, I'm kidding. <laughs> let me, uh, because similar, very similar with me. And let me, let me bounce this off you. I, I know with what I discovered in therapy, um, I'm not going to go into details here, but my childhood and my parents' marriage and the constant moving and losing friends all the time, not because they didn't like me, just because I learned, oh, if you meet friends and make friends, then your family moves, and so you lose those friends. Um, going through that constantly, I internalized, and I could never verbalize this because you never verbalize your emotions. I verbalized, I am unlovable. No one will ever love me. And those are not exclusive to me. Teenagers feel like that 24-7. And then I carried it with me into my 20s. And then when I met Judy, she needed me or liked me enough to use me because of her abusive relationship. And it's like, okay, this guy treats me nice. And I interpreted that as, holy shit, you know, like I can be accepted. Someone will like me. And so I went all in. And going back to what we said earlier, when she went, okay, now I'm done with you. It devastated me because it, it took me like, again, it was a lie. The, the whole call her now, but it was the, the lie was someone could like me. And it took me straight back to all my old issues of no one will ever love you. You are unlovable. And that's sort of a, about what I heard you hinting at maybe because of the yeah. shitty high school you and then you found this girl and it's like wow life can be good and then you hold on to that for too long am I am I off base am I using words that are too no powerful? I mean no you're you're I mean I, I would say that like the the problem I won't say the problem that we all have but the problem that I'm finding is that what happens when they you know that saying you give me a give me a boy from zero to eight and I'll make you a man or some shit like that. I'll show you the man. There's some saying like that, right? Um, I feel like there's there's real powerful things that happen to me between five and eight <clears throat> that told me that my value was secondary to other people's value. And the problem is, <clears throat> is that these things got imprinted in my brain at an age in which I had no critical thinking skills. And to prove it, I would have believed in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. That was perfect timing. Yeah, great. Yeah. Starting but, to get uh, emotional, starting to get intelligent, yeah. then my fucking phone <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like it was told to me at a time when I literally believed that the tooth fairy gave me money, you know? Right. And so like I believed in the tooth fairy. I didn't believe in Santa Claus, but the tooth fairy and other kinds of dumb shit like that. And like, you know, when those things get imprinted, the problem is like, I feel like unless something actively unimprints that, those kind of beliefs that get imprinted in you from zero to eight, they govern huge portions of your life, right? And so what happens is that you end up 25 years old and other stupid things have been beaten out of you through English class and reading stories and history class and learning a foreign language class. You learn like all these things, but these core drivers that were instilled in you at eight about love half of those are reinforced by the dumb shit that you get told in English class largely, right? Like really like, you know, and there's like all these mechanisms that they keep that kind of dumb thinking in place. And then at 25, your eight year old is running your love life. Do you know what I mean? And that's really what happened for me is that like, at a, you know, like, again, we'll come back to you to the Christians, right? In the Bible, it says, you know, when I was a child, I played with childish things. When I became an adult, I put away those childish things, right? But those childish things are really beliefs. 
They're not toys. Well, it's it also a cellular mean, memory. Right? They're, they're inside right. of you. They're, yes. And if you, you don't yes. deal with them and learn about them, and, and, yes. and most people don't. I mean, we don't think about it right. that way. We just, we don't right. understand why we are the way we are. We don't understand why we have our personalities. And, and yeah. just, to, I don't want to go down this path too much, um, not because I'm embarrassed, but because, you know, it's, it's well-worn ground. But I didn't think of it until you just said it, between five and, or, and eight for you. Well, how old are you? My daughter is eight, and she's in third grade. So that would have been the time that I was, and there are different stories, um, separated from... Like, my, my dad says that my mom called him and said, I can't handle, you know, my son, come take him. And my mom says, my dad came and just abducted me. And back then, you know, my mom called the police and they said, it's a family matter. So I was just sort of taken. You know, my mom had left my dad and he said, how can I get her back? I'm just going to take her kid. And so that fairly traumatic, you know, to today there would be an amber alert back then it was just like you know she went to see a lawyer and the lawyer said well you probably should move back in with him if you want to see your son like that was the way they handled the legal problems. advice that was solid legal advice right in that time period. but that's exactly when it happened to me it was in third grade when i got just taken and you know i would i was a latchkey kid my 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 yeah i, I hear stories about my childhood that i have these sort of weird memories of like just i'll just tell you one um I didn't know this was true. I had this weird memory of being on a bus and being afraid and holding a blanket and, and like just sort of watching for my grandmother. And that's all I remembered. Well, it turns out that uh, when my dad would work on weekends, um, what he would do is put me on a Greyhound bus or a Badger bus because it was Wisconsin on a one hour trip from Milwaukee to his mom's house on Oconomowoc. I'm an eight year old kid, I, you know, uh, just being put on a bus by himself, like, okay, get off when you get to this stop. And that, you know, like, I didn't know that memory was true of me just being on a bus around. And the, the, there's a joke that says, why fly on a plane and watch a horror movie when you can go Greyhound and live a horror movie? Because <laughs> you know, anybody that's ever ridden a bus knows that's the worst of the worst. You know, people, you know, jerking off, fighting, you know, if you can fly, you will fly. And, <laughs> God knows what that did to me. So, so later when whoever it was told me, no, that's true. That actually happened to you. So it sort of blew my mind. Like, Oh, I thought I was having this weird, you know, visual, like, do I remember that? I don't know. But so yeah, the, the shit that happens to you as a child, you carry it with you for a long time. Yeah. And, and in certain ways, like I get why we, why we like to protect our children's innocence, you know, like we like, People want to protect the innocence of children. Because I was thinking, as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, it's funny. It really all just depends on how you grow up, right? Because there's times when I'm in the city and I see six-year-olds and like little, little kids by themselves roaming free and doing stuff, going to the store, buying things. And I'm like, you're five. Like, how do you do that? And it used to be me. To me. Right. When I lived in the inner city, I would just go to the store by myself or I would get on a bus and go to the mall. I'm thinking like that would have been when I was 10. And I look at my daughter being two years from down. I don't like her walking two blocks away. I let her do it because I'm not insane. But like. <laughs> but if you could stop it, you would you would drive her the two blocks. Yeah. If, if like I was insane, I would drive LA, her two blocks. If you yeah, here I'm, moved in LA, you could still do it. <laughs> And the hashtag Steve Martin. Um, <laughs> oh, you were going, yeah, that's when I interrupted you. We were talking about Steve Martin. You had said like Steve Martin. Oh, ah, that's so funny. Yes, he comes up many times. Like, L.A. Story. It's a good fucking movie, man. Should oh, very good movie. movie. Should, I should dig that up. Um, he said when he gives advice to people, he always says when some comedian says, hey, how can I make it in the business? They always want to hear, well, you do this to get an agent, this, this, all this stuff. And his advice is, be so good they can't ignore you, right? Except they can ignore you, which <laughs> they can and will. Right. But anyway. right. But what's interesting is that, like, we take that advice from a career standpoint, right? How do you create something that is rare and valuable, right? Like, that's what it really takes. It has to be rare, 
but it also has to be valuable. It can't be rare and useless, right? Like you can look at a guy like Chappelle and he's rare these days. He's rare, but the way he delivers content and the content is kind of valuable, right? There's a certain position he has because he's rare and valuable, right? And he's an extreme example, but you could take people like Derek Trucks who plays slide guitar. There's tons and tons of people that we look at as like these icons, right? Can I, I guess where you're like, going with this? Sure. We don't take that advice when it comes to our relationships or ourselves or our love life. Exactly. But what you never thought did, of it before you said that. Right. But what you did when you go through all those other relationships, it's like being a musician starting off in your starter band. You know what I mean? Like that's what it is. It's like you want to be starter a starter relationship. But that's what it sounds and, and listen, there's some bands that get together in high school and dominate the world and stay together forever. You too. And there's some and there's some bands that meet in high school and break up. And then they have a college band and then that breaks up. And they have a couple others. And then they put together a band like and what was Sting, twenty seven? The police. Yeah. Right? No, and, then, say. Right, and then they go on to do it. Right. There's many different ways to do it. But the thing is that like what I notice is when I see like some of my old friends and we start jamming and stuff. I look at what they did and they'll say things about me that sound weird to me. So I'm like, ah, the illusion you have about my life is not my life. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like what they think the life I live is versus what I actually live is just two different things, right? But what I realize is that like, the same thing what we're talking about, it all ties in. I was in a high school band, then I was in college bands, then I was in post-college bands, and then I was in more serious ones and more serious ones and more serious ones. And at a certain standpoint, it plateaued, right? Like all the bands that I was in were kind of all the same, right? They were a little bit better, like, oh, wow, these guys are like, yeah, this is like a good version of this. Then there was something really, so oh, this is like a shitty version of this, right? And it didn't change until I sought to make a change, right? Like up until that point, it had happened very naturally. I was in a band and I'd gotten better and then somebody else pulled me up into another band and because I was good enough to do that band and then I'd gotten better in that band and then I'd gotten in and I'd started zero and I'd just kind of play my way up by getting up to speed with the band. Each one, each one progressively would make me better. But there was a point at which like, I think my knowledge, I wasn't willing to do the work anymore. Right, like to get from one level to the next, I was like, oh, I see the buy-in to get into this level is this. And I wasn't actually willing to do that. I could see that now. At the time, it was like, oh, it's just not happening. Oh, it's not happening for me. Oh, I just need to keep doing more of this. But what it was is I wasn't really willing to do the work. And I think relationships are like that too, right? You go through them and you're gonna stop at the one in which that's the amount of work you know you're comfortable doing. And in your case, you worked your way up to something that is actually like a good gig, right? Like, like, on, like you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, it's a good gig. It's like, all right, if this is the gig that I stay in, this is a good fucking gig. I worked my way up. But many people just don't work past their high school stuff. You know what I mean? I do, and I two thoughts. One is it's still work. And that's right, what makes it great, is it's still it's the work, work you're willing to do, right? It's not right. the work you're willing to do. And the other thought was, you made me think of the NFL, because you don't follow the NFL, but what happens is there, there are, I'm going to make up these numbers, there, there are you know, 2,000, there, there are 10,000 high school teams, uh, 5,000 college teams, and then the 32, I think, uh, NFL teams. So, you know, you, you, can play, <laughs> you can play high school, no problem. It's difficult to make, like, I think one of all the high school jocks that were on the football team, I think I remember one of them getting on a college team. But then to get in the NFL, and if you did follow the NFL, what you'd see is there are so many draft picks, even first round, even top dollar draft picks that flame out. Because what they do is they continue working at the college level yeah. when they've jumped to the NFL, and it doesn't work. 
it's still effort required, which is the marriage thing. Like my marriage is still work. It's not a slog. I don't dislike it, but it's, it's an uneven road and you have to work to keep it on the straight as narrow as much as possible. And so an example, everyone hates, everyone hates Tom Brady because he's so successful. I think people forget his beginnings, that he was the sixth round draft pick, that he was a backup quarterback, that he had to fight to be a starter. And then he still works to this day. You never hear him slacking off. That's why he has six Super Bowl rings. That's why he's been in the playoffs. But it is work. You, when you hit that level, it doesn't mean you stop. It means that's when you work harder. And that's when that's marriage, that's a relationship. Yeah. And I agree with you 100%. I think that was brilliant. A lot of people get stuck at a lower level. And I'm not saying I'm at an elevated level. I'm just saying that I, I am willing to put in the work. But a lot of people, you, you stop. Yeah. I think you said it best. You stop where you're comfortable. Here's the thing, though, and here's where it becomes a little bit problematic, right? You know what monkey branching is? I do not. I don't know if this is actually what the term means, but you know there's, like, these dudes who... What are they called? They're, like... MGTOW, right? Men going their own way or some shit, right? Something like that. I've right? not heard that. Anyway, it's like they're like it's like men's rights groups. Oh, I've places. heard that shit. Right. Okay, so one of the things they talk about is what they call monkey branching, which is when like a woman keeps just climbing up the ladder of success with boyfriends, right? Like she has this guy, then she dates a guy who's higher up than him, then just works her way up, right? And I'm like, well, I mean, whatever. I don't know that that's that that might just be smart. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> but um, but it's the same thing that side men do or works, not side men. Right. Like working musician, hired gun types. That's what we do. Right. One gig leads to another gig, leads to another gig, leads to another gig, leads to another gig until we get to one where we feel like, OK, this is the one I was looking for. Right. But yeah, Dominic Miller didn't uh, pick up a guitar and become Sting's guitarist. Like Exactly. Sting right, had to hear about him. Out. Sting had to get recommendations. Sting had to right. see him, had to look at his CV and say, oh, you played in this band, this band, and this band, and you, yeah. And, and he had to from, and that's the thing, right? Like, maybe we look at monkey branching the wrong way, right? Because and maybe it's just the term, right? Like, because maybe what it really is, is if you have a commitment to excellence and you are consistently making yourself better, stronger, faster, better, whatever it is for you, whatever that means in your life, not in some obsessive way, but just in a, I'm going to continue to challenge myself and continue to grow in all the areas in which I think are important to my, to me, right? And if you do that, then at every stage of that, you're going to date someone, theoretically, right? And that person, if they're not on the same growth trajectory as you, it makes perfect sense that you leave them just like it makes perfect sense that you leave the band, right? Like if you're in a band and everybody is, and you're like, and everybody's good, they start at the same level, then you're studying and practicing and learning harder stuff and challenging yourself and you keep getting better while everyone else in the band isn't, what do you do at that point, right? Like, is it wrong of you to then be up into a band that is growing with you? Do you know, like, is that wrong of you? But I guess the question that I would say is, if we could look at relationships in a way that was like, it's not even like a starter relationship. It's this is the relationship that you where you are emotionally at that point. And you continue to grow through lessons you learned in that relationship, arguably, right? Like it's those trials and tribulations and good things and whatever that gave you the experience to know what you knew to utilize in your next relationship, right? But I wonder if there's a way for us to Is there a way to, to utilize what we learn in other relationships without alienating those relationships, right? Like, is there a way to, like, be in a band, be growing, and be like, wow, guys, I really want this to be something, but, I, but it's not working for me because I'm growing at this rate, and you guys are growing at this rate, and have that not sound shitty so that, you know what I mean? 
but like in a relationship sense, we look at like, like people say like starter wives and starter relationships and things like that. And maybe that's not what it is. It's just where you are at the time. But like part of why like my starter relationship would go into another relationship is because the lessons I learned in that relationship couldn't be applied in that relationship largely because of my ego. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, like we get into a fight and I would learn, Oh, next time I should say this or whatever it is. Or like, Oh, I realize this thing about myself, but then if the person comes at you fucked up, then it makes you come at them in a way, but only because you're fucking 16 or 17, not because you know I mean? or right, 20 like, or 22 or 25. It sounded exactly. to me like, like, you know what I mean? Like really it's true. Right. The, yes. the way you said it made it sound like uh, it was about winning the relationship or the right. moment and you don't win relationships. Right. Yeah. Um, as far as getting the ego out of the way, I mean, I mean, I've, I've been in four relationships in my wife, uh, in my, in my life. Um, Judy and then uh, Aiden, I'll use her name and I'll tell you why in a second. And then uh, Karen, not her name. And then my wife, Lydia. And the reason I used Aiden's real name is because we're still friends. And the thing is, Judy, you know, I, I didn't I don't want anything to do with her. I don't know if that's ego. It's just like, that was really fucked up. You don't treat people like that. And, you know, um, then Aiden, when she broke up with me, I was hurt, but she reached out, I don't know, a year later or something like that and said, hey, you know, are, are you, I know breakups are bad, but I, I miss you as a friend. And I was like, yeah, I do. You know, we had good time together. I miss you as a friend. Thank you for reaching out. If she hadn't done that, I don't think I would have ever reached out to her. So I was really glad and we maintained a friendship. And then Karen, you know, just, I, I just don't care either way. Like if, she were to see me, I would just be like, Oh, Hey, how are you? Like, I hope things are well, but I, I have no need. Like, does that make sense? So mm -hmm. of my three previous, I'm only friends with one, one bitter, one good, and then one completely indifferent. And I'm sure my ego has something to do with all of those. I'm just not sure where. I mean, I wonder, um, I'm just, just, you know, we don't have to analyze me. I'm just saying as far as yeah. the, the, the concept of not destroying a relationship because you're moving. I guess both people, and this is what's rare about a breakup, is both people have to be on the same page. You hear about the mutual breakup, but I think it's actually quite rare. Yeah. Yeah. In the case with Aiden, I think what happened was it was not a mutual breakup, but in hindsight, I looked back and went, she was right. She was absolutely right. You know, we, we had right. run our course. We both learned lessons and, and good on you. Tip of the hat. Cause she's married with kids now too. And I, I, I think I, I said this to you once, uh, we went out to eat. We hadn't seen each other in a few years and her husband, uh, before they had kids came home. And I remember the way he looked at her and I went, Oh, I don't know if I ever looked at her like that. Like, like, and I don't mean that to be cruel because, you know, I, I genuinely cared about her. We were in a good relationship. I loved her, I suppose, at, at whatever you call love. Um, but when he looked at her, I just saw her, him looking at her at the restaurant and like, that's why she and I are not together. Or one of the reasons was like, good on her. She found him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I realized it's funny because you have like relationship examples. I have band examples. Uh, I realized that in you've been through some relationships <laughs> it's true but i you didn't learn anything talk about from it. them no i didn't learn anything from them i learned more from the bands i was in the relationships <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm not sure if that's good or bad and then again i've only uh, had four so what do i know um no i've learned a lot from the relationships just not all of it good and not Isn't it all good if you really examine it it's just the way you it is I yeah mean. it's just i didn't always learn in a timely fashion that's what i i end up having to learn the same lessons multiple times oh. in multiple relationships making the same mistakes until it was like pounded into me that this was the wrong way to go about it. That the only commonality between me and these past handful of relationships that ended and started and had the same situations, the only commonality is me. 
So maybe it's I'm doing something wrong. And when I started doing something differently than that, then the quality of relationships changed, you know. But I, I, I that feeling you, you're talking about is one I had when I was in a band. And I really thought I was in it. And I really did. Like, I felt like I'm committed to this and I'm in it and I'm doing this and this is my band. And I walked around and I talked about it to everybody and I rewrote songs and we did stuff and all that other stuff. And then we broke up after a couple of years. And I put together my own band. And I had a very different experience. You know, I was like, oh, like, sorry, my light keeps falling. Um, I, I like, I realized that like, I wasn't, I was writing charts and diligently making sure the music was together and calling everybody for rehearsals. And I mean, like, it was just, it wasn't, I wasn't doing that. And the other thing, it didn't have a sense of urgency kind of because I realized at a certain standpoint that it wasn't going to get any better than it was. And I didn't feel like they could see it. Like I was like, this band, we don't have the songs. Like we're not writing songs that are good enough. We're not rehearsing the right way. We're not listening to the right things. We're not doing this. We're overcharging here and under. Like I could see all the problems and they weren't going to be fixed. And I could see that subconsciously, even though I didn't consciously, I wasn't aware of it subconscious like i was consciously aware of the fact that we didn't have the songs but i wasn't consciously aware of the fact that like it was never going to change but i wasn't but but like there was all these red flags that i chose to ignore consciously but my subconscious wouldn't allow me to really jump in with both feet does that make sense yeah you know and then when i put together another band i realized that i didn't have any of those problems and so I was able to do that consciously. And then the band, and then, yeah, since then I've had a very different kind of experience musically because like, I, it really is like relationships. Like you work your way up to the bands that are great, just like you work your way up to the relationships that are great. You know what I mean? Like you earn them. You know, right? Good Lord, this light thing is going to drive me crazy. Well, um, we, we're, we're at you know, a we're, hour we're, now, so. we're there, which is, yeah, which is fine, because I'm just going to start repeating myself and getting annoyed at this light. But, but, it, but it's, it's interesting, right? Like, like when you talk about Dominic Miller, he earned the sting gig. It wasn't given to him. He earned it. Like, he, he did the work necessary to have the buy-in to be in the, the circle of people who would get considered for a job like that. And that is, comes back to what we're talking about. That is rare and valuable. You know what I mean? Like, that's a rare, like he's a rare and valuable guitar player because of his unique skill set. If for a guy like Sting, that's the guy. That's why he's been his guitar player forever at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Same and Sting's the, using the same, the background singers, right? He's using the same ones mm -hmm. since from the police days. Because like, they have uh, a rare and valuable skill, you know? Peter Gabriel and Tony... Uh, Levine or Levin. I, I always hear it pronounced right, different right, ways. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. That's like real shit. Yeah. Okay. Once they, right. there it goes. Yeah, All right, let's use that as an excuse. <laughs> <to you. laughs> this, this is, as the, the episode started, this is the hand of God coming down and knocking over your light saying, will you two exactly. shut the fuck up? I was in a band. I got jumped. You both <laughs> fucking losers. That's God. <laughs> <yelling at us. laughs> God damn it. What do I do to get the tongues out of these motherfuckers? Worst thing right, ever my gave friend, them good talking to you. Yeah, you too, man. Stay out of trouble as much as you can. Oh, hi. It's Nathan. Uh, I'm back at the end of the podcast quickly. I actually chopped off the part where we said goodbye because you're not missing anything. Uh, but we forgot to talk about what we do. Uh, we talked about our lives, but during the podcast, I kept saying, I'm not going to go into detail. I was talking about my childhood or my relationships. But if you are interested in details... I actually wrote a book about my life. It's called I Was a White Knight Once. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's on the Nook and the Kindle and paperback. So if you are listening to this, 
It's called I Was a White Knight Once. And if you're watching the video, well, I've got a graphic of the book up right now. Uh, Barrett, Antar Goodwin, is the musical director for the Katie Henry Band. And they have an album out on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, wherever you can find music, Pandora. It's called High Road. And she can be found at katiehenrymusic.com. And Barrett can be found at antargoodwin.com. So pick up my book, stream her album, or buy her album. I bet if you go to katiehenrymusic.com, you can order it and she will autograph it and send it to you. And you could ask for Barrett to autograph it too. So there you go. Those are the plugs we forgot to do at the end of the podcast. Um, thanks for watching or listening. Go buy our stuff. <laughs>